Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This week's episode is sponsored by shapeandfoster.com. Shape and Foster is a lifestyle development app that provides monthly actionable insight from six experts in mental health, financial planning, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and a life coach. It is a one-stop shop for self-improvement. The app provides a proactive and informed approach to improving your mental well-being by enabling consistent practices and habits to be built over time. Lifestyle development is about enhancing your quality of life by improving awareness, identity, and potential. One community of actionable insight. Learn all about the six pillars essential to a healthy heart and healthy mind in one unique app. Visit www.shapeandfoster.com for your free 14-day trial. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you on this sunny Tuesday night. It is brisk weather outside with a chance of rain. What is so, that? hey, wear a coat, bring an umbrella, and don't forget to stay warm here on yeah. Comic Book Club. You know how it is. Uh, what's going on, guys? How are Patreon you? Patreon thank yous. Great to see you. 2021, <laughs> the year of the beard. It Comic is. Beard Club. Exactly. I mean, Justin, you know, uh, nobody can tell them what's going on on the audio podcast right now. We're doing video here on Crowdcast. We got a simulcast on YouTube over on the tube. Hello, everybody over there. Uh, but uh, for the audio podcast, we are all growing amazing beards uh, no, once not, let's not get cocky about it. The yeah. best beards anyone has ever seen. Uh, I don't know about all that. Award-winning beards. Uh, nope. it is, it, you know what's weird, though, is, Alex, your beard looks surprisingly like Pete's. Like, it's like a it little does. section. It's like a mm-hmm. section of Pete is overtaking your face. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to keep my eye out on the amount of times you tell me uh, to fuck off or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. Fuck off. Oh, God. Once, once the beer takes Please. the mouth, that's basically the podcast. <laughs> you got to call him a, a piece of shit. Like. The tongue is the beard of the mouth, I always say. Now, yes, Pete's got to get to it because he is flipping out here. Uh, once a month, for those of you who are new tuning in or don't know about this, uh, we have a bunch of people who awesomely support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash comic book club. Uh, and one of the levels we give folks a shout out here on the podcast. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to read off some names of people who um, amazingly have uh, supported our show, particularly in this time. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Kicking it off with Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenau. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Tillman. Benjamin Brown. Carly Welsh. 
Chris Terlizzi. Clemens Luer. Corby Dorby Doodle. Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Cabral. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel Warden. Danny Heck. Danny Ali. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Dylan LJ. Eduardo Martinez. Eric Dorian. Jeffrey Reicher. Gerard de Villiers. <laughs> James Connolly. Perfect accent. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. Jolene. John George. Jonathan Jong. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxon. Catherine Anderson. Casey Newhaven. Keep masking up, motherfucker. Don't stop yet. Believe it. <laughs> Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Lee Brown. Luana Thomas. Lucas Sink. Mark Zeller. Mar- Megan Thigpen. Mike D'Argentina. <laughs> Oof. Ian Mitchell McDonald. Nelson Martinez. Nelson Martinez. No, Nick <laughs> Broughton. Oh, no. oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Nick Grayson, official CBC chef, Brett Macris. Yeah! Omnia Soul Art. Pete's been taken out of the chain. <laughs> or Dicks. Dicks. Oh, are we going this way now? Pedro A. Rangel. This is out of control. Pete's Punisher Slippers. Prime time. Polly G. Rev Mikey. S- Sarah Schutenmuller. Sarah Schaefer. <laughs> Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Jamila Rush. The 12 Batch. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. And Zika's Viral Comics. Thank all of you so, so much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. You are all awesome. And now uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a swerve to thank somebody else. Uh, this is a little more serious, uh, but this is something that was we were alerted to. We didn't realize this. Uh, we were alerted to by a bunch of our Patreon Slack members. Uh, specifically, I believe it was Ben and Grace who figured this out. Uh, we had a longtime listener of the show, a fan of the show. You might remember him. He uh, was on Trivia once or twice. Um, he was definitely here in the Crowdcast chat, uh, named Mike Beneke. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away on November 5th, um, which is awful, awful news. He had a family that he left behind. I believe it was uh, 52. Uh, so really, uh, obviously, like a emotional swerve here that we're bringing this up. Um, but we can't tell you how much his uh, friendship, his commenting, his being involved in the show meant to us. He was so kind and so wonderful. And we know not to call out too much of what was going on with him, but he did talk pretty openly about how he would listen to the podcast while he was going through chemotherapy. And it really helped a lot. And uh, I mean, that is beyond humbling to hear something like that. Uh, the one thing that I did want to read, he has a memorial page um, at the Widmill Ridge Funeral Service. There's a memorial coming up on January 9th, uh, and there was one section of the obit on his page that seemed particularly applicable to the show, uh, so I wanted to read that, um, since obviously <laughs> they knew him even better than we did. Uh, Michael was an avid comic book collector and had been reading and collecting since middle school. Over the years, he had dragged his family to comic book conventions, Superman festivals, and several other comic book related gatherings. He met published artists, famous actors, and acquired an extensive collection of artwork, collectibles, and memorabilia, especially for his favorite character, Shazam. He was also a huge sports fan. Michael held St. Louis Rams season tickets for the entire time the Rams were in St. Louis and rarely missed a home game. He also loved the Chiefs, the Blues, the Cardinals, and the Royals. If it was a Missouri team, he had a shirt on while watching their games. Likewise, his family attended games for all of these sports and were convinced to stand in line to receive autographs 
from many of the professional athletes. Uh, and in fact, for the memorial that's coming up, uh, they have um, asked that everybody in attendance who would like to wear their favorite geeky or sport-related oh. clothing, which oh, is really nice. sweet and wonderful. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, obviously a sad thing to start off on. I'd also mention uh, that thanks to the kind support of everybody in Patreon, which is the way this ties us together, um, we bought what is hopefully a really, really nice gift basket that we sent to the family um, yeah. that I believe they should get in time before the memorial on behalf of us and on behalf of Comic Book Club as well. So uh, thank you to everybody who brought this to our attention. Thank you uh, to the Patreon folks for supporting us, being able to do this for Mike's family. And most of all, thank you to Mike. Uh, We miss you and wish you could come to a show, but we'll be thinking of you. Shout out to Mike. He's very public with what was affecting him. And I think that's super important because I think that that's how we knew that we had lost him. And I think that's, you got to talk about the shit going on in your life. So it's, it's good. And I got to hear about where the, what the Superman festival is. What is that even right? Yeah. No, I don't know. I think, isn't there something that happens once a year in what's supposed to be Superman's birthplace where they have a big Superman party in the streets? I don't remember where it is exactly, but uh, I think it's Krypton. Do you mean Krypton? Krypton? <laughs> yes, it's in Krypton. <laughs> we'll head there. All right. Uh, smooth treasures in there. I will mention we have two great guests for you on the show today. Um, they are the creators of a new book called Saver that comes out tomorrow from Dark Horse Comics. Welcome them into the stream right now. We got one of them right here. We got Neil Klein. Yeah. Hopefully we got John Brolia also coming in here uh, to talk about the book. How you doing, Neil? Good. What's going on? Not much. Great to uh, see you. Oh, yeah. Club. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah. up? We all got it. Oh, oh, John! Fresh faced young man. John, man I blew baby. it. I totally blew it. I shaved <laughs> today. I no, actually shaved great. today, and now I don't match. It's uh, great to see someone keeping up their their hygiene. That's really beautiful. <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No, I, I commend you for <laughs> taking out what I think is called a razor and t- shoving it on your face. Oh uh, yeah, no. Thank well, thank you guys for coming on the show. Very excited to have you here, uh, particularly with your book launching tomorrow. And deal, we had you on the show talk about it a couple of months ago but now it's here it's finally coming out here uh how does that feel how does it feel the night before a book comes out for you what is that well it it felt great until i decided to go to my local shop about an hour ago to get a copy uh and maybe sign a few and to find out that for some reason the warehouse here in north new jersey has not delivered copies to anyone in north new jersey so I know John got copies in Long Island, um, but um, yeah, there it yeah. is. Ah, that's nice. That, nice. But sadly, uh, I will not see a copy maybe until next week. Um, but it feels great. It's I mean, fun. Yeah, no, it feels great. It, you know, I haven't actually had a book on the shelf in a while, um, like a graphic novel. It's actually been 10 years since my last graphic novel was on the shelf. I mean, I've had other stuff since then. But there's really nothing like that, like Disney night before Disney World, sitting yeah. up and like randomly checking the internet to see if anyone's actually talking about it, um, and also kind of getting your ducks in the row because you want to like you want to promote it, you want to talk about it, but you don't want to drive people crazy. Um, and it feels good. It's just you're kind of hoping that like. Will people like it? Yeah, it works you know, out. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. Will people enjoy it? John, you've done this too. 
this is um, the same thing for me. It's actually been about 10 years, I want to say, since I've had something on the shelves, same situation. Um, done. We've done like anthologies and short stories and stuff like that. But to have, you know, a full book or a series out on the shelves, I've done a lot of Kickstarter recently. So stuff yeah. has been going directly to the fans. Right. But to have something in the shops is there's nothing like that. I have to say, there's nothing like that, and it's yeah, been a very long time. Yeah, we get comps. You know, we get like books sent to us by the publisher, but there's nothing like going into a store on mm-hmm. Wednesday and seeing it there on the shelf and picking it up and kind of like secretly hoping that people like know that you're the person that created it. And you're kind of like, "Eh," you know, um, but I, I I loudly announce it. I don't (laughs) know. Whenever you walk into a comic John John carries a megaphone and he walks in. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) look at me. Uh, tell us about the book because the book's great and it's really like I think it, it it's may have taken 10 years to get get this book uh, to get a new book on the stands but it's such a special book which takes you along for like a wild ride that's just such a it's full of fun ideas like and yeah. it's a great combination of my interest as well as I assume yours so so walk us through it so uh yeah so the book is uh it's really for um anyone from 10 or 10 10 and up and the idea was that John and I really wanted to make a book that like our kids could read. Um, most of my other books that are written are really like for adults or dramatic. And this was like an adventure story that we wanted to create our own world in. And um, the idea is that Saver Batnet is a, an adventuring chef. She comes from an island, a fictional island in the Pacific, that uh, is a culture of shit, warrior chefs, people who love to cook. They love to fight and they sort of marry the two. Um, and it's, it's kind of like food utopia and yeah. there's always somebody that's kind of guarding the Island and, and making sure that, you know, it's peaceful and what have you. And she goes away for six years, uh, to learn how to be a chef and a, and a warrior. And when she comes back, she finds that, uh, a band of demon pirate chefs have taken over the Island and she has to basically fight her way through five deadly restaurants to, um, to put together the pieces of this like ultimate sword that she can then use to go beat the, the main pirate, uh, this guy, Hob Nero, which is a play on Hob Nero. Um, and and you know, uh, my favorite, one of those play, uh, the puns is Thai food, Mary. Yeah. Very so, good. So Truly. if you're going to buy Saver, just know that you're getting a, a book that's really fun and, and is about food and, and it's about adventure but there are uh, like a shitload of dad puns in there. Ah, There's just oh, so yeah. many puns. So many good ones. Though. Um, so many good ones. Neil Neil killed it on the on all of the um, <laughs> all the characters' names and just all the yeah. puns. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. So uh, so that's what the book is about. Um, it, it was kind of an, a decent road to get here. Um, been pitching it for a couple of years, and John and I actually met um, through Mike Oming. Uh, John and I both did a, a story in. Um, where we live now, the the, the anthology for the image anthology for Las Vegas, the, the survivors of Las Vegas, and John and I met at a signing for that. And Mike was like, "Oh, you guys have to work together." And we just kind of got to talking, and you know, I sent up a bunch of stuff, and this was the one that we both kind of said, "Like, this is it. This is you know for our daughters, for our kids." Um, and I think it's it's been great. John uh, John killed it uh, with along with Frank Reynoso, our colorist. Unfortunately, couldn't be here tonight, um, but they did a fantastic job, and I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully doing doing more books with them. If I may summarize it real quick, uh, it's like 
Polynesian samurai written and drawn by hungry people. <laughs> That's uh, a fair <laughs> with cell phones. Yeah, no, it's got it's got a lot of great um, influences, which was was kind of kind of key. You know, there's a little bit of Legend of Zelda in it. There's a lot of Moana in it, uh, like those Disney adventures. You know, Moana and Mulan. Um, I think uh, we had a, one of the one of the blurb on the front of the book sort of best summed it up, where it says it's it's Moana meets Iron Chef um, yes. uh, with a little bit of Mortal Kombat in it. Uh, John, could you talk a little bit about developing this world? Since obviously, like. Neil is touching on, there are influences there, there are things that you're using, but pulling them all together in one place, creating this landscape, creating the architecture, what was that like? Um, it was it was a lot of work, it was a lot, it was just so much fun doing all of it. Uh, Neil really painted his own picture in the script and the description of everything. We kind of knew from the start, just from, just from reading what he had, what he had put down, the look we were going for. We knew, like he said, Moana, we, we knew that we wanted like a beautiful Island and a lot of colors. And um, we knew we wanted a mix of cultures and, you know, it was just, it was a lot of world building, but it was a absolute blast doing all of it. It really is like, it, it's just a fun world to play in. And uh, you know, there's a lot of reference just a lot of, a lot of reference and a lot of, you know, back and forth and, and, uh, if you see, you'll see in some of the backgrounds that there's just a lot of mixture of culture. Because in Neil's writing, there's a lot of mixture of the foods. There's a lot of mashup in, the, in the, the styles of each restaurant. So we had to portray that in the image of the restaurant and in what some of the people living on the island were wearing and how they were acting. It was, you know, it was a lot of world building, but it was great. Uh, I'd also love to hear either one of you talk. Maybe this is more a question for Neil, but just the use of technology in the book. That was something that was very surprising to me, just because yeah. with this sort of thing you expect it's going to be, oh, it's a fantasy setting. They're using swords. They're battling with food. But there's also uh, iPods and phones and apps like you've been touching on. So what led to that choice and how did that kind of change how you approach the setting of the book? So I think any time that you're going to create a world, uh, especially a contemporary world, you can't avoid that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because a couple of years ago, I got a chance to, to, to pitch a Batman story um, that unfortunately didn't come out. But I, I wrote the Batman story. And when you think about Batman and especially like the, there's a lot of relationship between him and, the, and, and, the, and Commissioner Gordon and the police and what have you. And I remember I had this rooftop scene and it was uh, I, the way I wrote it. It was, Bat, you know, Batman talks to Gordon and he pulls out a folder full of like police reports, what have you. And the editor's like, no, that would be an iPad, right? That <laughs> would not be a handful of like old folders, what have you. You would have technology. And it really kind of got me. Uh, Commissioner Gordon, it's, what's your Wi-Fi? I need to <laughs> just quickly <laughs> download these files. The, the password is Batman be gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... So it got me thinking that was a while ago, but every time I, you know, I've, I've written a story since then, um, I really, especially if it's a contemporary story, you really want, you, you can't have something that feels like, oh, that wouldn't happen now. Right. So like when you're talking about a, a kid, especially, um, you know, somebody, my daughter's age, who's, you know, younger, um, the, my daughter lives on her device. Right. So she's always on her iPad. She's on her iPhone. Um, and it's sort of like, it, it's, it's prevalent. It's always there. And it's not something that you can kind of like conveniently right away and say like, Oh, there wouldn't be, you know, a device, what have you. 
Um, what John and I did though was cheat a little bit and actually say that there is really no cell service on the island. Mm. So um, we we really played into that that aspect where she has a phone but she can't really use it. Um, and that's what, and what we wanted to do is really show that she loves music, but she's got this old school iPod and she can't really download her phone, you know, music on her phone. But the, the great thing about it is that it becomes a, a, a set piece. Like it becomes part of the plot, um, to a point where like there's an app that she only she can get and it really unlocks something that she needs later on. Um, and it's sort of like magical when it shows up, yeah. right. It like pops in and you're like, wait a minute, there's no service. How you know, but that's like part of the magic. So really getting to tie it into the plot was kind of nice uh, without having to really steer clear of the fact that, yeah, you know, kids are on their phones. And I love that, though, because I feel like that incongruity really makes you lean into the story. It's like, oh, this is a fully original world. It's not just like, oh, it's an, uh, a fictional island and there's right. swords. It's like, oh, no, this has this is a combination. This, it's more deliberate, the choices here. Yeah, and I mean, that's why we... Like we could have set this on like Hawaii, right? We could have set it on an actual fictional island and then really kind of play into and like, but what John and I really wanted to do was really create something that felt like it's kind of, a, like you said before, a mashup of, of a lot of our influences on a lot of things that we love um, and really kind of create something that stands on its own. I wanted to say that I really enjoyed the pacing, the action, and all the storytelling was really impressive. You can tell this is written by or put together by people who have been doing this for a while, and it doesn't feel like... Because when you start something like new, this idea, there is this kind of like, okay, we got to get an origin story. Let's slow things down because we're going to give them a lot of information. But it's just kind of you're trusting the reader and rolling with the action, which I really appreciate. Also, I wanted to say, love the Hungry Hippos uh, bit in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was actually, that's something that we've sort of been trying to keep under wraps. Uh, yeah. We haven't been putting it in 40 years. We haven't been like showing it to any. No, no, no. no. It's, the book's out tomorrow. tomorrow right. Yeah. But um, we've actually been, that was kind of a, a thing that we really liked. And I'm sorry, Pete, we didn't. We didn't put a McRib in there for you. Hopefully volume two. Speaking about the food in particular, that always seems like a very difficult thing to me to tackle from an artistic perspective, particularly when you're creating things that are crazy, fantastical dishes or complicated dishes like they are here. Um, how do you tackle that? How much, how do you come up with reference for yeah, something a like of, a weird uh, octopus stew? You know, <laughs> Neil, Neil was throwing, Neil would throw at me what the actual dish should look like. Mm -hmm. And then be like, oh, it's mashed up with this actual dish. And then we'd have to kind of like, you know, throw it together. And um, again, it, it was just so it's all of it was fun. Like it, you can't you can't use any other word for it. Like it's it's every time we had to reference something, it was all part of, you know, the enjoyment of it. Like, you know, trying to figure these things out as we go. It was part of the challenge. But the challenge was, you know, really part of the enjoyment. It was excellent. So yeah, one, of my, one, of my, one of my one of my favorite bits was that. Uh, was it two weeks ago, a week ago, John, Frank, and I decided to put this really quick three-page uh, comic <laughs> up online. Um, and the idea was that we were going to do uh, the Saver Holiday Special, right? Like the Star Wars Holiday Special. And it was really just kind of a, a, a way to, to lead into the book. It actually is set right before the book starts. Um, and we basically decided they were going to have a Saver and coriander who's the other the other woman on the on the cover we're going to have a snowball fight with the other chefs at the restaurant but the, the the idea was that because it's in a tropical climate there's no snow really 
So they're having a snowball fight with mashed potatoes. And I cannot tell you how many emails went back and forth between John, Frank, the colorist and myself, just like, is it too white? Is it too, is it yellow? Yeah. Like, how do you make Whole serious yeah. conversations, by the way. Whole serious, yeah. serious conversations about mashed potato roaring. Well, you want good consistency. <laughs> you gotta believe it. Yeah, you gotta believe it's mashed potatoes. This is the life of, uh, of comic book creators. Uh, I just want to mention that in the comics here, uh, we do have Stray Bullet, who is our official CBC chef. Uh, this mm. is actually no joke. He is a legit amazing chef in New Orleans. Uh, and yes. uh, he is saying he's going to review the book based on the dishes presented. So awesome. I would get a little worried there. Wow. <laughs> so there's a recipe in the back. Sure. Uh, the first slider. <laughs> uh, and then there's a few just kind of like dishes throughout, but that's the only one that's got the recipe in there. And the, the holiday comic actually had a recipe for uh, snowball mashed potato snowball croquettes. So Ooh, I may be, yeah, I may be pronouncing that word, but uh, definitely go check it out. And, you know, if it, look, it's all trial and error, if it tastes terrible, I'm not a, you know, I'm a comic book writer. I cannot cook it. Well, uh, so speaking of food, though, if you had to go into a food battle right now, somebody is like, okay, I challenge you to a food battle. No rules, no like five things in a box or anything like that. But you have any ingredients you want. What's your go-to dish? What do you cook? Um, For me, man, it has to be done on the barbecue. That's the only time I can cook. Respect. Uh, Respect. Yeah, it's going to either be a nice London broil or a good steak. Difficult, difficult soup course. The soup course is going to be hard. (laughs) (laughs) Or um, I'm a breakfast guy. I I could, I can make a mean omelet. Are we talking about? Are we talking about a cook-off, or are we talking about like using food to fight, like they do in the book? Uh, No, like a cook-off. When I lose, I just a cook-off. I'm going to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) So for both, I'll go with chili. Uh, I pretty make (laughs) pretty make a pretty mean chili because uh, not only can you enjoy chili, which I love, but you can actually uh, use it to throw in somebody's face. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for that. Uh, Luana Nana uh, wanted to know food fight and cook off. So I think Neil, you covered both of them. John, yeah, is there a piece of food that you would bring to a legit food fight? A legit food fight. Um, well, are we going, are we going for maiming or are we going for lighting? Hey, it's your murder. Yeah. So, you know, we could, you know, we could bring. What are you maiming people with? Yeah, I don't know. Specifically, go into maiming. Yeah, hot, hot soups. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like also a, like the lunch broil that might work. You just slap a bunch with it. What about like a Disney World style turkey leg? Right, like a big old turkey yes. leg. There you go. That's that's a bludgeon. Uh, well, actually, actually, that was kind of one of the fun things about the book that I, I thought really was kind of what drew me into it was like thinking of ways to take shit that's in the kitchen and just how will it, how would it do damage, you know? Mm. Yeah. Just like thinking about food, thinking about utensils and like, we didn't just want it to be nice throughout. We wanted to think of like innovative ways. Like there's one scene with the, like the early scene with the hippo where she actually throws up an onion, slices it and then, you know, hits them in the face and they can't see. So like, yeah, stuff like that was, I think that was kind of the draw for John and I was to figure out. And I've got a little like notebook, of like when I watch cooking channels, I'm all I'm thinking about is, oh, that sounds delicious. How can I use it to beat the shit out of somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. Do you have a couple of kids, Neil? I love the idea of you just standing in the kitchen, stock still, with a dark look yeah. on your face, and your kids coming and you're like, "Daddy, what are you doing with those noodles?" <laughs> no. 
Eat that Whack Pack, yeah. <laughs> uh, not to, this is not necessarily a spoiler, but I, I think the book leaves itself open potentially for a sequel, potential other places to go. Is that something in the offing or at this point, are you kind of waiting and seeing what happens with the first book? Uh, so we've talked about um, the idea is that there's actually going to be, if dark horse says yes, and right. we, you know, move forward. Um, there are plans for two more books. Um, the, awesome. It's kind of like my Skywalker saga a little bit. So there would be three books in this volume, and then we might go back and do some prequels or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, They'll be not as good. No, no. <laughs> That's Alex, That's monster. Fine. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the plan is to is to definitely try to do more. Um, John and I have quickly spoken about what the second book second book would be, um, but who knows? We'll find out. Awesome. Uh, well, guys, very excited about the book. Everybody should yeah. check it out tomorrow because okay. it's great. Uh, congratulations. Enjoy these last Thanks. couple of hours. Yeah. It's finally on stands. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys Bye. so much. Thank you guys. All right. There we go. Uh, once again, Neil Clyde and John Berlia, uh, the creator of Dark Horse's Saver, which is on stands tomorrow. Or if you listen to the podcast, might be right now. You can out probably there. also get it di- digitally. So go check it out. It's a lot of fun. And Northern yeah. New Jersey should be getting it later this week. That's what we decided. <laughs> yes, there we go. As they do everything else. And now we're going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. Woo-hoo! And for audience questions, this is very simple. This is very easy. If you're over yeah. on YouTube, just drop a question about literally anything in the comments. I'm keeping one eye on those. Uh, also, give us a thumbs up over there. We always like a little like yes. there. And on Crowdcast, drop a question and ask a question. I see a bunch there already, so you get the hang of it. Uh, but go for it. But Pete, to kick it off, what you drinking? Uh, well, what I got... you drinking? Also, real real quick, do you have vas- Vaseline on your camera lens? Because you yeah, have this exactly. weird. Cool. I got. I'm going for like a glow. I don't want yeah, people yeah. to really see my face. <laughs> Were you shooting a '70s softcore pornographic film yeah, before yeah, this? Let me try Always. a little bit of this. Oh, okay, that making it worse. Uh, made it worse. They made it worse. Uh, are man. you rubbing it with your finger? What are you? You're doing? damn right. Is your finger also covered with Vaseline? Ah, uh, yeah. There we go. Wow, good. Good little spit on there. Good. Whose computer oh. is this? Yeah, my work computer. I'm sure it's uh, fine. Oh, great. Okay. Looks like you've uh, been sucking on the cheese steak. Oh boy. <laughs> oh god. Oh, I wasn't there. Oh, oh, sucking on a cheese steak. Oh, um, to answer your question, ready. Though, it came out of nowhere. Um, I got for a Christmas present. Uh, I got a little uh, Grey Goose. So li- living that uh, wow. uh, that quality vodka with, with what? Oh, with a little a uh, little bit of uh, soda water. Oh, so okay. Wow, drinking clean tonight from Pila Page oh, loves man. that French vodka taste. It's nice. uh, it's you know, you ever get a gift and you kind of look at the person like, why'd you spend so much on this? You could have just gotten, you know, absolute. We could have got more booze for the price, but all right, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> you want this to three <laughs> bottles of just rail something vodka? out of a car engine for me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just Why leave some spending? apples in the sun. They're going to have alcohol in them. <laughs> uh, I'm having a just a Lagunitas IPA. There's no shame in that. Just because it doesn't have nine adjectives leading up to it. It's I did. Well, the thing beer. is, I made myself my non-adjective drink uh, last night, uh, and uh, I just did not want another 
hard alcohol drink tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. You have a whiskey beard is what we call mm-hmm. that. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Justin? What are you drinking? I'm drinking yeah. uh, some Miller High Life. Matches <laughs> my bar sign. Boom. Uh, cool. Very Let's get some brand. questions here. What do you guys say? Uh, first one was from Kevin. In the spirit of demon pirate chefs, what are some of your favorite strange mashup ideas in comics? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is not exactly a mashup in comics, but a mashup with comics. But we've talked about this a lot. Black Metal uh, is just one of my favorite books because Topical. it really does channel the spirit of metal in uh, manga style. And it's super, super fun and super funny. I feel like there's been a lot of books like it since, but they haven't necessarily matched those heights. Uh, it's great. Recommend that book to know anybody who hasn't checked it out. I mean, obviously Alex loves Batman and Superman versus vampires and werewolves. The uh, hastiest. Obby, um, I'm going to throw it out for to Marvel zombies. Oh, um, you son of a bitch. Um, Pete, the answer you should be saying is teenage mutant ninja turtles. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> That's a talk about a series of adjectives. I feel like yeah. someone, they, Eastman and Laird hit their heads very hard and then just were like, this. Well, they kind of made it as a joke. They were making a joke about And then the joke was on the world. Yeah. 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 The joke continues to be on the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for stealing mine and then giving me an answer, Justin. That's super nice of you. I giveth and I take it the way. Mostly yeah. take it. Uh, question here on YouTube from CT Kook. If you could get a legendary director to make a Marvel movie in their style, who would you get? And what character? I was thinking of a Scorsese, Joe Fixit, mom movie, or a Tarantino heroes for hire. So what is your dream director title mashup? Solid answers out of the gate. Uh, man, like if Josh Trank could do a fantastic four movie, (laughs) a truly fantastic four. (laughs) Uh, Josh Drake has been your dream director for so for so, for so long. long. I've seen Chronicle. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see like uh, you know maybe a Spike Lee Luke Cage movie. That would be really nice. Ooh, that would. There be you go. That's a good one. Um, this is a little bit of a cheat because it's uh, going to be a television show, not by a uh, by who I'm about to say, but um, a Spielberg Paper Girls. I feel like would be very mm. cool. Interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah. This is tough. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Alex. This is a hard this is a question. Ooh. Think, uh, think about your favorite direct- directors: yeah. Trank, Trevorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, if I could see a Trevor O. Jurassic Park movie or two, <laughs> yeah, maybe if Jay Bayonetta could do that a second one, that would be nice. I don't what know. I gotta, th- I gotta think about this a little bit because I keep thinking of bad answers. Uh, but I is it Mick G your favorite director? When yeah, Mick G director. Yes. Uh, ooh, Steven Spielberg Power Pack. I like that. Also, I like Tarantino Power Pack. Anybody on Tar- Power Pack oh, would be great. Kubrick Lock and Key by Edward Doherty. Oh, that's too creepy. Too stressful. Too yeah. stressful. Also, too on the nose, I think, with Joe Hill being Stephen King's son. Uh, but I like the idea. I like where your head's at. Uh, this is from Nick Kelly over on Crowdcast. Do you miss Wizard Magazine? Have any memories of it? Oh yeah, I mean Wizard Magazine was was it. I feel like Wizard Magazine and Entertainment Weekly sort of uh, have become one thing in my mind uh, where it's just like all these little tiny 
you know, pre-internet boxes where it'd be like, hey, your favorite thing? Here's some news on it <laughs> that's being made or whatever. Like, I was like, it was just the dream to get my hands on the wizard. Yeah, for me, it went like, uh, what was it, like a Nintendo magazine? And then what was it? Just like right into the other uh, where it was like, I need to read through all of it just to make sure I didn't. I knew about all the cheats and I knew about all this, uh, the boards. Nintendo Power? Like that. Was that was the magazine? Yeah, Nintendo Power, yeah. Yeah, Nintendo Power was my thing. I, oh, that oh. was what I, I actually never really read Wizard Magazine. Huh. I found out. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I never really picked it up. Like, it was always Weird. on the stands, and I was like, eh, no thanks. Only but later Nintendo did Power I. Power all the time. Oh, there was an issue in Nintendo Power that was like, it came out, it was an April Fool's issue or whatever and they had an article or uh, like a section over like brand hot new game and it was about doing everyday tasks and it was like the big joke and then literally the sims came out and it was a huge success <laughs> they they fucked up yeah they, fucked up. they uh, wait i thought of an answer for the previous question uh not now but prime tim burton doing a johnny the homicidal maniac movie would be awesome whoa wow deep cut on both counts but that would be great there you go i feel good about my answer uh (laughs) we should check in uh how do you guys feel about your answer pete how you doing how you doing right now all right all right right. (laughs) let's let's all grade our answers at the end uh edward doherty says do you have any comics that you appreciate more purely based on the quality of the production or the physical paper conversely are there any comics with paper quality binding or production that make them more difficult to enjoy Personally, I don't understand how anyone could enjoy holding, reading a DC Absolute Edition because of the weight. Mm. Um, I am not. I actually don't like overly glossy pages, like mm-hmm. the sort of 90s glut comics where they're just like everything's so shiny. Everything look has like sort of a trading card quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that. I would prefer newsprint, the ancient newsprint wow. to those overly glossy comics. I actually conversely can't read anything that doesn't have a hologram embedded nice. in the cover. It's true. Nice. Yeah, you, you pay to have your comics fully hologram. I take right them up. to the hologram museum. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That like some people that used to exist back when I was a kid. Some people have bifocals, but you have like a hologram thing in the bottom so you can read stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are prisons. You're a 3D I don't man over here. Uh, Pete, by the way, the way you're sitting, and not to keep harping on the way you look, but oh, you look like you're wearing a black turtleneck with those headphones and the porny um, filter on your lens. It looks like you're truly some sort of Garfunkel. Cool, man. Great. <laughs> Uh, uh, what was, oh, yeah, paper quality. Yeah, I mean, there are some trades that are, like, when you get them and they're, they're new, you can't open them all the way because mm-hmm. it will kind of, like, fuck it up, which sucks. Uh, but that's another reason to buy single issues, man. Just enjoy it. Oh, yeah, give me that staple. I, yeah. I agree with you, Pete. That does actually drive me a little nuts, particularly when you get to something in a trade where it has like a really nice double page spread. Yeah, you, want you have that fold in the middle. Yeah. So you're like, where's the middle of Superman? Where'd he yeah. go? Is this part of it? Is his middle yeah. gone? <laughs> oh God, is this the story? Um, so yeah, there you go. I hate it when you turn into like a high pitched Seinfeld. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll, I'll give my answer on this one. I think like a solid B. Pretty good, Alex. Really good with it. That's back-to-back hits from Alex. Two base hits. 
Uh, here we go. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. You probably already fielded this question more than once, but I don't remember. It's been too many years. How do you find your amazing guests? Do you seek you out, or do you guys contact them? Uh, great question. Sit back and just go through our fan mail, you know. The little chickadees come to us. We just put our little fingers up in the air and they just flutter right down. <laughs> yeah, we let them beg for a little while. Oh, please, sir, may I please be on your comic book club show? Uh, I'm Rick Remender. I want to come on and talk to this guy who's been insulting me for years. <laughs> for years. <laughs> for years. That's you, Pete. You're oh, no, guy. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, it's a mix. I, I think there are some people who are doing projects that reach out to us that we know or know of the show and are interested in, you know, plugging it. Uh, so that works out pretty nicely. Um, then there are other people that I just I try usually on Wednesdays. I'll usually do some outreach for titles, folks that we know we really like or titles that we really like uh, to see if they're interested in being on the show. Uh, for that, I'll if we knew somebody personally, um, you know, or they've been on the show a bunch of times, we'll contact them directly. But most of the time, it's through the PR agents for the comic book uh, companies uh, that will set the stuff up through, uh, and they'll also contact us when they have somebody. They have a title coming up. Um, I can't think of anything specific. It's yeah, coming up, but certainly a lot of like the DC titles, yeah. they've reached out to us uh, for their their YI books, the DC Inc. books, uh, to set stuff up. So it, it's a mix. I, I would like to point out someone asked about Nat Townsend. There are people like Nat who just won't leave us the fuck alone. Uh, you killed my joke. I was going to say the only guest we have to beg to come on is Nat Townsend. We have to really, <laughs> constantly, like, come on, man. We really need you. Uh, we'd love to hear what you're up to. Yeah. Yeah. Nat, stop it. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, ooh, question here from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Uh, did you guys watch the flight attendant? Excuse me, flight attendant. Whoa, really hey, enjoy- what? You, you've been day drinking there, buddy. You all right? No, I've been night drinking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. We can't tell the difference between day and night in my house. <laughs> it's hard to tell with Pete's filter on his camera right now. Did you guys watch the flight attendant? I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next season. What did you guys think? Also, which was your favorite character from the show? Justin, Ooh. you watched all the yeah. or some of it. I just finished it last night. Very friendly question. Um, I liked it. Um, They are doing another season. I feel like they sort of, this is maybe going to be a standalone show season. And then they Mm -hmm. definitely left some doors open at the end. Um, uh, As far as which character I liked, I mean, it's hard to, it's really, it's so centered on uh, Kaylee Cuoco's character. Yeah. I'm saying her name correctly. That it's hard to um, really uh, go after anyone else. But I liked um, the, uh, the her flight attendant friends um, yeah, on the, that we would bump into on the plane. Is anybody else worried about her? Like, she's doing, yeah, she's doing so much. I feel like she has a gambling uh, problem or something. We're like, she's, she's on hit shows. TV show after hit TV show, like what? How, how much? She money? was on Big Bang Theory for like eight years, and now she's on two TV shows. One of which is a voice acting gig. I think she's doing okay. Yeah. That's, know, what, that's just what's like, called success. That's what's called. Like, you know, you've you've done it. You know, like take a little time off. You know, just be with yourself a little bit. You know, like you're projecting like, your podcast uh, <laughs> on her. 
flight attendant. She's on Big Bang Theory. She's doing American God podcast. She's doing Riverdale <laughs> After Dark. <laughs> and now they want uh, her to do this MCU podcast. She doesn't have enough time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, that's a little pulling back of the curtain for you guys. Uh, yep. I I really like Flight Attendant uh, a lot. Um, I think I talked about this on Week of Geek, but I watched, I want to say the first three episodes, then read the book. Uh, and mm. the book is bad. It is a bad, like oh. poorly structured, weird book that is written by a man who may have met a woman mo- once, but it's not 100% clear that he has. Uh, <laughs> and it's just wild how out of control and nonsensical the book is. The last third in particular is a total mess. Uh, so reading that as the show went on, I appreciated more and more how they took this very all over the place book and picked out elements, fleshed them out, made some bigger, made some smaller uh, to the point where the ending is very similar beat by beat to what happens in the book, but it's unequivocally bad in the book and unequivocally actually very good and tense on the show. Um, So I I liked it a bit. And as for characters, um, I was surprised how good everybody was. I never watched Girls, so I don't know Zosia Mamet very well, Uh, but I thought she was great as Annie. Uh, So good and so funny. I really enjoyed her a lot. And of course, Michelle Gomez, um, Madam Satan herself, got to give it up for her. Yeah, I think the uh, oh, great question, uh, great question from the comments here from Beercat PhD. Girls was so pervy, Alex. How do you miss it? <laughs> uh, great a- question. I actually did watch the first couple of episodes and just didn't think it was very good. By which I mean not pervy enough. There it is. Oh, you got to pick it up later. Later seasons. <laughs> yeah. No, I it just it honestly did not grab me. Um, for whatever reason. Uh, All right, let's go over here. This is from Joe. Who's a lesser used minor villain. You would love to see us and get some shine put on them. Similar to what has happened with kite man. Hell yeah. Oh, Oh, nice. Matt Uh, Olberg. (laughs) Cool. Um, A villain, a lesser known, that doesn't get much lesser known than kite man. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, man. Oh, man. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think this has been done in the comics a couple of times, but uh, I've always appreciated when somebody figures out a way to make Stiltman work. I think Charles Soule did that really well in his run, if I remember correctly, on Daredevil. Uh, And that's great because that is a ludicrous villain. So to figure out anything with that, I think is awesome. Uh, Also, I mean, while we're on Marvel street-level villains. Um, there's just been a surprising amount of good stuff with Overdrive, which is kind of a dumb concept. He could just sort of change cars into other cars. Um, I think Dan Slott actually had a thread about what he wanted to do about Overdrive on Twitter, which is probably why it's top of mind right now. Um, but there's been some good emotional stories with the character, which is very surprising. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, take Langston's answer. Uh, he loves Taskmaster. Uh, I think he is also a great villain that is underused, and I feel like uh, uh, benefit from a little bit more time in the sun. The um, armadillo, a great answer from Neil Clyde in the comments. Um, I, the I've been pushing for a while the um, the burglar who uh, accidentally killed Uncle Ben um, mm-hmm. from Spider Man. Give that guy a chance. Yeah, have him team up with Joe Chill in some sort of cross universe event. So, what if it's the same guy? Have you ever oh, thought about shit. that? Oh, shit. Or if he's like Rob Chill. 
It's his brother. <laughs> uh, Joe mentions Boomerang as another example. Superior Foes of Spider-Man, if you've never read that, is a does an amazing job of taking right. minor villains and making them awesome and fun. Uh, and there was... Who's the character who was uh, became the babysitter? Was the porcupine? Was Spider Woman's babysitter? Uh, in I want to say Dennis Hopeless's run, yeah. Dennis yeah. Allen now, uh, um, which I that's a great run of Spider Woman. And talk about rehabilitating a character. The porcupine arc is so great. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to throw it out on a, oh, sort of a a villain that I don't like. That I would be curious to see if someone could make them interesting. Would be Hush. Over in uh, DC, the Batman villain, which I think was something that was so hyped and ended up being like sort of a bummer. So I'm I'm, I'm here for some hush. Yeah. Uh, suggestion over on YouTube, Jason Williams says, I wish someone would bring back Onomatopoeia from the Kevin Smith run on Green Arrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. That was a good story. Uh, that would be one. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny. I feel like Onomatopoeia is when everyone's like, Kevin Smith? He's great at comics. <laughs> uh, everyone really loved that. And then uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, here's a question from Randolph. Uh, do you think Riverdale will ever give us an episode closing out Katie Keene? For example, when Pretty Little Liars spinoff was canceled after one season, they dedicated part of a PLL episode to close out the storylines from the spinoff. Could Riverdale do something similar? Sorry for the long question. Randolph, not long at all. That was Perfectly nice and short and to the point. I love it. Uh, what do you guys think? Unfortunately, we are running out of tape, so this <laughs> episode will be short. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, right on the side of the screen here. People can't see it. But I have one of those big computers that takes up an entire wall. Oh no, my vacuum tubes need to be changed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Luwadadada over here says Ravenswood, the much forgotten one. I thought you were talking about PLL, the perfectionist, for a second, but nope, the earlier spinoff. So, what do you think? Could there ever be a uh, the finishing off, tying up the loose ends from Katie Keene on Riverdale? I know, I'd love it. That'd be fun. I doubt it. The only uh, I feel like we could get some Josie um, back in the show um, would make a lot of sense. But I, I just feel like KO is going to be on. They're going to KO, obviously. I- well, so the problem with the KO thing, this is coming up at the season premiere. That problem? Was- I don't think there's a problem with having <laughs> on. KO on Riverdale. Hold on. Hold on. The problem with the timing, the problem. With, the, with the timing, Pete, is that it was supposed to be a crossover while Katie Keene was running because they yes. filmed it back when Katie Keene was on. So it takes place while Katie Keene still exists. And so they can't tie things up there. Uh, but going forward to the Josie Pussycats point, there's been no confirmation of this, but Asha Bromfield, who plays Melody, I believe, teased that she might be coming back at some point this year on Riverdale. So there might be some Josie and the Pussycats for real. I think they, it makes a lot of sense yeah. that they would do that. It's too bad if Cahill had only been a little bit earlier on in the season, they, they would have saved Katie Keene. Oh man. That's really sad. That's true. That's true facts. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if they'll do a whole episode because not enough people watched it, uh, but I, I could <laughs> oh, see come on. they did it. Uh, but I could see them like bringing in characters and looping them in. I think, uh, oh, Bernardo, uh, the fireman who dated, hmm. uh, oh my gosh, uh, Pepper, not Pepper. No, Jorge. Jorge. Jorge uh, is probably going to be on at some point this season. Uh, so they're bringing him in. Uh, and there was somebody else. There might be somebody from Sabrina. There were a bit of rumors 
about that coming over as well. It's a tight little universe that they never cross over the big, in a big way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got, uh, ooh, uh, just a comment here. Archie and KO need to box. It needs to happen. Extra sweaty. Jason Williams, all I'll say is tune in for the season premiere. I guess you'll Riverdale. see. I don't know if that boxer who's guest starring on the show will box. Because name another quality that KO has. <laughs> I dare you. <ya. laughs> His first name is K. Uh, next name is O. And yeah. if you reverse that, that's okay with me. I believe his name was originally KO Boxing Gloves, and he only wore boxing shorts and was always appearing inside a boxing ring. So that's yeah. sort of his thing. Yeah. Hey, Katie, uh, want to fight me, I guess? <laughs> another one we got here from over on YouTube. Agitato says, so do we talk about Wonder Woman 1984 yet? Uh, yes, we did several times. Uh, you can check out. We have a whole review video and podcast the video is up on YouTube. Uh, the podcast is up in the podcast feed. But that said, we're a couple of weeks out now. Um, we, have the, have your opinions changed at all on Wonder Woman 1984? And what do you think about just like the general reaction and fallout for the movie? Uh, my opinions have gotten worse. Uh, no! I, it no! falls apart more. Whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh, it just didn't make... Sense. The thing that's bothering me the most lately is just how little fun they let Wonder Woman have in the movie. Mm-hmm. She seemed like such a so unhappy. Um, and I, I don't and like the fact that her her one wish was to have her boyfriend back after she'd lived how many years after he died by herself, never doing anything. It's just like, hey, wait, man. that's the story. Love, all right. A lot of people have brought up uh, I think it's in Batman v Superman, there's the scene where Bruce sends Diana the picture of her. She's looking the entire movie for this picture of her with her, her buddies from world war one, including Steve Trevor. Uh, and he finally sends it to her as a way of being like, Hey, come team up with us. Uh, and she sends it back an email being like, Bruce, thank you for bringing it back to me. And people have interpreted that. I think kind of correctly. It's like, Oh, thanks for bringing it back to me. He was he was already here for a couple of days. I brought him back through a magic wish, but yeah. thanks, Bruce, <laughs> for the picture. Yeah, wow. that helps a lot, uh, man. Yeah, I would love to hear Wonder Woman talk. Wonder Woman describe the plot of this movie in a future movie. I want her to be like, yeah, no, there was a wishing stone, but then it got absorbed into this man. And um, then a friend of mine became super strong, but then also a cheetah. <laughs> it was just, it was too many things at the same time. It was an overstuffed movie that never really focused on anything. It felt like, I think we talked about this on the podcast, but um, I keep thinking about the fact that they never brought in the Duke of Deception or whatever he's called. That they're like, oh man, this stone is the possession of the Duke of Deception, this master of lies. Well, anyway, moving on, here's these two yeah. other villains. There was so much will anyway in the movie. Like, uh, why... Uh, why is Steve Trevor in a random dude's body when there's no reason all the other wishes just come true. (laughs) Like, why is he, he's like, unless she was like, I'd love to have Steve Trevor back but in like sort of a douchey dude's body. Yeah. That's what we didn't hear the full wish. That's why it, uh, it, it, I keep trying to wrap my head around why they made that decision versus Justin. I think you brought up when we were talking about it, why they didn't just have Steve Trevor come back. And the only thing I can think of is they were like, well, uh, plot-wise, he needs to hang around for a day. So why does he come back for a day, a day earlier, and not immediately find her? 
And the only reason they can think of is he wakes up in a weird apartment and then has to figure out what's going on, which is dumb. I think they only had the actor for like half a day. So they're like, listen, we're going to put him in somebody else's mm-hmm. body. So that way we'll just have him do some voiceover stuff. It'll be great. But I guess because I'm trying to think what even my sense of it, it was an idea from an earlier draft of the movie that they just kept in as this plot changed a little bit. Or the only other thing is like they wanted that moment at the end where she sees him and is sort of like Mm -hmm. flirtatious. Like somehow it's like, oh, I can I could date other men because this guy had my boyfriend's body, boyfriend's mind in his body. It's like, that's so weird. It's such a weird moment because it seems like, oh, wow, she's going to move on with this guy who she already had sex with when she thought it was Steve Trevor. And instead he's like, well, see you later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because they don't talk. He's just like, I have this scarf. They have small chat. Yeah, but they don't like it's not like I please let's go on a date. Yeah, very strange. That all said, I'm fully on board with Wonder Woman three, which I know is ridiculous, but like, oh, I'm yeah. still excited for that. I'm still i I think they made a lot of mistakes with this. Um, they have plenty of opportunities to fix them or go in a different direction. Uh, we talked about this also a bit on the podcast, but I've become more and more convinced that they just need to like do something that's past whatever this timeline is. Don't set it in the 1990s. Don't set it in the 1960s. Don't set it back back in time so it feels stimmied and stuck in this place. Figure out a story that takes place next. What is the ultimate story that you really want to tell about Wonder Woman, the thing that you need to say? Uh, And I'm sure there'll be other movies beyond that, even though they're saying this is the conclusion of the trilogy. But, like, finish it off and put it all on the table and move on. Yeah. Put it on the table, DC. Come on. Yeah. We're hungry. Uh, <laughs> uh, question from Pablo D. Martinez. Where's a mask here on Crowdcast? What's your favorite team ups involving different characters from licensed properties? Mm. Are you talking? You're talking like your uh, Batman. Back to your Back to the Future meets the Back to the Future meets Transformers. Absolutely. The Batman and Superman meet aliens stuff is awesome. We talked about this a couple of shows back, but so good. Yeah. Um, well, Batman and Superman are both licensed, so it's nice that they get to meet a lot. <laughs> so I like I love that. It's a crazy when that happens. I'm like, holy oh, shit! <laughs> they got these two <laughs> together. Do, they do that. Yeah. Throw in Wonder Woman. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Throw in some vampires and werewolves. You got yourself a stew. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody loves a thick soup. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, what's your favorite thick soup of a comic? Oh man, uh, minestrone. Mm, that is I good. got you. That's uh, a good soup. Uh, but what about <laughs> comics crossovers? Just to you know, change the topic. Uh, what are, <laughs> you know, one's never asking about us about our favorite soups. You know, yeah, these real slice of life questions. Mm. Um. Uh, yeah. I mean. It's hard because there's there's like I have go to answers that I say all the time, and I'm trying to think of something new so I don't just sound like a uh, robot version of myself that always just says like the same things over and over again. Uh, Punisher and Frankenstein. Uh, you fuck go. you, you fucking fuckbot. No, this is different. This isn't Frankencastle. This is the Punisher meeting right. Frankenstein. Yes. I don't like it. Why? It's too close to his little too close to home. What if they would yes. be great friends? Yeah. Why are you taking a friendship away from Punisher? This is a character I like to call uh, Castlestein. 
Ooh, <laughs> Castle's time. <laughs> I'm listening. What about uh, you know a, a Castlevania Punisher crossover? <laughs> Keep the same name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just Frank running up and down the level shooting ghouls. That's that good. What a horrible night to have a gun. And on that note, we're going to wrap up your audience question. Thank you, everybody. We're going to move it on to our next section, which is trivia. For that, we're going to turn it over to Pete the Page. Pete the Page. There it is. Yeah, all right. Wait, hold on one second. Sucking on a cheesesteak. There it is. The part we give back to the lovely audience, it's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars to a Midtown Comics gift card. So that way you can safely buy comics (laughs) online. Uh, We just need a volunteer. Yes, there you go. (laughs) That's the part. Uh, Somebody raise your hand. uh, Say you want to do it either over on YouTube in the comments or over here in Crowdcast in the comments uh, that you're interested in winning the gift card. And we will either bring it into the stream or let you play this incredibly difficult trivia contest. Anybody who wants to put their hand up first, everybody's very reticent today, but basically just say hand up or Anybody on the tube? Uh, Nobody on the tube yet has volunteered. Anybody here on the non-tube, as I like to call it? All you gotta do is hold up your finger and let the little chickadees just come home to roost (laughs) right on your finger. Justin, do you want to do it? Oh, here we go. We got a hand up. We got a hand up. Agitato over on uh, YouTube, trying again, even though I stole Agitato's gift card the other day, as we all know. That's right. This is time for me to get another uh, $25. For yourself. For myself. Uh, No, Agitato, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, This is your chance to win a $25 gift card. Um, Just put the correct answers in the comments. It's going to be a little bit of a delay because it's YouTube. But Pete... That's all right. That gives us time to be supporting cast to the star of trivia. Oh, my God. And with that, take it away, Pete. All right. Here we go. Uh, So today's trivia is on topical comic news. Oh, but 2021. And uh, will contain a small nod to the legend that is Chadwick Boseman. Let's see if we can spot this very tiny nod. Yeah, I great that we're. It's great that you're taking this fun bit and continuing to make it very sad and poignant. <laughs> hey, it's what I do. All right, here we go. Question number one: What original graphic novel is being pulled from the DC schedule? Is it a Swamp Thing, not your mom's green? B Zantana, the Jewel of the Grave's End, or is it C Harrison Ford? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B, Satana. Which and what was the third, third answer again? Harrison Ford. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's some sort of truck, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's definitely yes. old and busted. Oh, come on! Shit. And don't let that truck fly a plane. <laughs> That's what I say. I just opened a second beer. The Dreamland Session Sour from Coney Island uh, Brewing. How is it? I don't know. I'm about to sip. Oh, okay. First sip. Ooh, we got a B. It's good. We got a B. That's correct. B is correct. Yes. Yeah. Here we go. Question number two. What Marvel character is getting a new costume? Is it A, Spider-Man, B, Egghead, 
or is it C, John C. McGinley? Mm. <laughs> so it's either A, if so you would effortlessly like... said, Pete. Oh, thank you. It says you. Um, A, which Ooh, we got be... another B? No. B, B, B? No, you would want to say A for this one. Oh. Egghead is not getting a new costume. Spider Man is. Mm. Yeah, so that makes sure. sense. I don't know if people are clamoring for Egghead to get a new costume. Oh, man. Yeah. Speaking well, of villains, it is them. A. Uh, yeah, that new Spider-Man costume, pretty weird. I'm sure there's yeah. a story reason for it, but don't love it. Someone's telling me to stick to the pattern. You were the ones who mm. broke the pattern. You made me break Hey, it. we got an A. We got an A, Pete. All right, great. Here we go. Wolverine, last question. Okay. Wolverine number 350 paves the way for which character? Is it A, Patch, B, Joe Fix-It, or is it C, Christopher Maloney? So it's either Ooh. A, Patch, so you can get $25, or is it B, Joe Fix-It? And I'll mention once again here in the comments, Kevin called Christopher Maloney before you said it out loud, so I think Kevin wow. knows what this Chadwick Boseman movie is. Yeah. Or has Kevin been secretly ghostwriting your quiz? Oh, what? Man. No way. Kevin, get out of my brain. <laughs> Kevin is Pete. We're going to have to check his beard for that and see mm -hmm. if uh, see if he's turning into a Pete. Uh, we don't have an answer here yet. Alex is Pete. I am Pete. Whoa. Say A. Uh, we are. Say, say A. A patch. Yes, that is correct. All right. There we go. Agitato, just shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at not.com. Comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Uh, we'll we will get you a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. And that's it for trivia. Uh, 40, 42 is the answer. 40. Thank 42, you. 42. Yes. RIP, King. Very nice. Uh, that is the Chadwick Bose movie that you're referencing this time. So I uh, to watch 42, but instead of it being Jackie Robinson, say it's, you know, Black Panther. It's fun. to It's fun stuff. And we can just keep rewatching it over and over. Disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. You're well, or is it? Cool I like to, to pretend it's a Douglas Adams movie. It's or is it cool <laughs> to think Jackie Robinson was actually Black Panther? I mean, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it's all one movie, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, great. This is great. Let's move on. Uh, as we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day, unless you're DC Comics, in which case they're out already. That said, what are you guys looking forward to that's coming out this week? Pete? Oh, well, I am looking forward to Firepower number seven. Mm. Mm. Any particular reason? or That's well, a pretty cool book. You guys should check it out. <laughs> Great. Cool. Way Justin, to be cryptic. <laughs> what about um, you? I want to give uh, a couple shout outs. To, uh, the um, Future State is uh, coming up out big, uh, already out, I guess, today. The Swamp Thing uh, title over there, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, Swamp Thing, the Future State stuff is like, feels like it's all super Elseworldsy, uh, multiverse stuff. A lot of interesting takes on um, the heroes. Some are great, some are fine. I thought the Swamp Thing one was excellent. Um, and then uh, Eternals number one over at uh, Marvel, uh, mm -hmm. Kieran Gillen's big, big new title there. We talked to him about it months ago and uh, can't wait to read that. And let's give a shout out to Saver coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, on the Future State beat, Future State Wonder Woman number one, written and art by Joelle Jones, colors by Jordi yes. Belair. I think because we can say it's so it's out on Stan's stunningly gorgeous book, just like yeah. beautiful book. Uh, very exciting. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more on the stack because we're reviewing that and most of the other titles oh, that we great. mentioned. I know that comes up Wednesday at 9 a.m. in the comic book club feed and in its own dedicated feed. Um, but uh, that's also being made into a TV sh- series being developed into a TV series at the CW, Ooh. which is pretty interesting. Very I'm curious to you. They're the same Jack- people who did Arrow. So it's probably going to be good. Yeah, they're developing the stack into a zone. That's what you said, Alex, right? The CW is yeah, developing. It's, it's, yeah, they're developing Arrow. <laughs> so that should be fun. <laughs> they're, uh, pretty, they're pretty far along in the process. They're like seven seasons into developing it. They're doing great. Uh, and on that note, we are going to wrap up. That is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We're to thank our amazing guests, Neil Clyde and John Burlia. Check out Dark Horse's Saber on stands tomorrow. Also next week. It's happening, folks. Rick Remender is going to be on the show to talk about oh, his scumbag, yeah. oh, Seven no. to Eternity, and of course, oh. Frankie Castle. Uh, that's the main reason we're having him on the show. Uh, and it should be great. No, we're not even going to bring it up because I don't want to have bait like that. But that should be fun. A couple of other things to plug. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show. We appreciate everybody's support. Also, a bunch of podcasts. We're just finishing up Chilling Podcast of Sabrina. Yeah. Our Chilling Adventures of Sabrina podcast uh, that is almost done. I think it's finishing up on Thursday, but you can check that out on its own feed. Uh, also, Umbrella Academy, our Umbrella Academy podcast. We have We're an episode back, baby. in the tank. It's coming back, we swear. American Godcast, or American Gods podcast, is coming back Sunday, so check Come that on. out iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to them. Oh yeah, Riverdale After Dark, that's coming back soon too. And of course, our MCU podcast called MCB at You, the podcast, right? That's the name? I don't know. We'll figure something out. At Comic Book Live. At Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast. Good night, everybody! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.